Welcome to Event Experience by Bizabo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Rachel Moore, your podcast host. In this audio version of Bizabo's recent webinar, How the Financial Times Event Team Drives Growth at Scale, Oren Berkovich, head of Experience Lab at Bizabo, hosts a vibrant interview with Financial Times Live Managing Director, Orson Francescone. This episode explores the question of event ROI, just one area of focus for more than 4,000 event organizers and attendees from Bizabo's recent report on the state of in-person B2B conferences. Keep listening to learn how you can ensure seamless marketing and event strategy alignment, discover new data on event organizer challenges, and translate expert best practices from the Financial Times into your own event strategy. Hi, welcome everyone. I am so excited to be with all of you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Oren and I lead the event experience lab at Visible. My team and I spend day in and day out working with event organizers and marketers on creating exceptional event experiences. But for today, I'm going to be your event facilitator. We're going to have a really, really interesting conversations with one of my favorite partners, the Financial Times. And as we go through this, just a quick reminder on why we're here. So a couple months ago, Visible surveyed over 4,000 event organizers and participants about different aspects of uh, B2B conferences. The responses really highlighted some really interesting insights on really how business critical uh, B2B conferences are. And so we thought it would be a great idea to have an event series, bring in some of the leading experts in the space and really talk to them about what they think about some of these findings, what are they up to, and uh, hopefully we can learn some tips and, and uh, ideas from their playbooks. So a couple of insights that I pulled out for today's conversation that I'm excited to talk about. First, more than 70% of organizers who we surveyed said that they struggle to prove the ROI of their events. Frankly, I mean, we've run many of these webinars. I'm sure you've been in many of our webinars, and this has been an ongoing question that comes through. How do you show ROI? How do you measure it? How do you prove it to different stakeholders? So this came through in the, in the survey as well, and I wanted to uh, pull it out and, and talk about this today as well. Uh, we also heard from event organizers that they have a hard time aligning their event strategy with their marketing strategy and really overall business strategy, right? How do you kind of position the events team as an integral part of the business and a great business driver as opposed to a marketing channel? So these are really, really two interesting insights from the survey that I wanted to pull out. And it's part of our three-part series that we've launched just a few weeks ago. So if you haven't been to our first conversation, we had leaders from IMAX, Money 2020, and Shilu Events. It was a fantastic conversation about the state of B2B events, really what changed, what didn't change. We learned some very interesting insights and some practical examples from all three leaders that were with us. So you can watch that on demand. Today is a deep dive. So we're going to go deep into one use cases with the Financial Times and more on that in a minute. And then in a few weeks, we're going to talk about how do you build an overall kind of yearly plan that integrates your events into your um, marketing and other strategies to maximize the impact. So that's where we've been. 
this is where we are today and where we're headed. And with that, let me introduce our expert for today. Orson Francescone is the managing director of FT Live. This is the global event business of the Financial Times. He's been in B2B media and events for over 15 years. He designed conferences, trade show, award ceremonies, galas, exhibitions, you name it, he designed it. He's one of those people that you need to talk to about monetizing events and audiences and really how do you kind of leverage different event formats to do different things. He is Italian, he is Irish, he's an event expert, and he's an economist. And most important, he is with us today. I'm thrilled to have Orson with us and really dive into a lot of these topics and learn from his playbook. So Orson, let's bring you into our show. How are you? Hey, Oren. Hello. How are you? Hey. Great to see you. I'm uh, yes. dialing in from uh, Amsterdam at the moment. Hello, everyone who's joined. This is late for you, right? What time is it over there? It is 6 p.m. in Amsterdam. Actually, I thought it was uh, a good moment to announce that today we completed the acquisition of the Next Web. So the Next Web is a oh. very large um, festival that takes place in Amsterdam every year with 10,000 people. Uh, and the FT invested in the Next Web four years ago, and today we completed the acquisition. And so I'm here to spend time with the team and really embed the business into our operation. Um, and I'm, I'm wearing my next web um, attire, by the way. Usually I wear like a, a nice shirt and a suit, but because I'm in tech startup land, I have to wear a hoodie. So that's, yes, that's yes, fun. for sure. Are you wearing flip-flops and shorts as well, or is this just a hoodie? No, not so much, just the hoodie. <laughs> We're not going to ask you to stand up. <laughs> but I know lots of people are excited about today's conversation. We've got hundreds of events organizers and marketers. So Orson, here's the plan for today. I wanna to have an open and honest and practical conversation about how event professionals can ensure that their gatherings are part of the larger marketing plan and overall business strategy. This has been kind of ongoing theme that we've, we've been hearing from our partners and clients and other event organizers. So I wanna have a conversation about it. So. Trust me, I've had a lot of time with Orson. I'll have many more conversations with him in the future. For today, we're here really for you. And so I told Orson that I've got a few questions ready to go, but I'm ready to throw all of those away and bring in whatever you all want to talk about. I want to kind of set the scene a little bit, Orson, so people know why we chose the Financial Times for this conversation, other than the fact that, you know, we've been longtime partners. I know you look at events as a product and as a business driver, as opposed to just a marketing channel. So, you know, I wanted to talk into that. You're looking at video on demand as a commodity. So I know you've got some really interesting insights on using VOD and you're in front of a lot of the trends that we're seeing in the industry. So definitely something of interest. FD Live, in my mind, is a true leader when it comes to hybrid events. You brought back in person after the pandemic, but you've kept virtual and you were using some interesting ways of combining the two. So definitely like wanting to talk to you about that. And lastly, you guys have this multi-event type model that I think will be very interesting for people to learn more about. So all of those reasons, I wanted to bring you guys in and have a conversation about it. And so before we dive in, why don't you kind of help us set the scenes in terms of the lay of the land? How many events are you running? How many people show up? How many people are on your team? Tell us some stats on kind of where things are at. Sure. Thanks, Oren. So FT Live is the events arm of the Financial Times. Uh, we current, currently run around 200, 220 events a year, uh, which is a big number. 
it is a, what I would describe a relatively complex event business mm -hmm. in the sense that we, we operate lots of different event models and I'll, I'll come back to that. Uh, in terms of numbers, there's about, when I joined FT Live in 2019, November 2019, we had about 85 people. Now the team is quite a lot bigger, about 150 people. We're primarily based in London and then a team in New York, uh, a team in Hong Kong, a small presence in the Philippines and Manila. And we're by and large organized like a lot of the events companies are around the pillars of marketing, sales, content and operations with a few deviations from there. And so coming back to the theme of a relatively complex business mm -hmm. is because we run lots of different event types. And so, you know, prior to the pandemic, I would have said, you know, running lots of different event types and I'll come on to the types in a second is a complex strategy and could possibly slow companies down. And so, you know, usually you tend to focus on, you know, you're doing trade shows or you're doing webinars or you're doing roundtables or you're doing conferences. We kind of do the lot other than pure trade shows, which I love. I have a, a history in trade shows, but yeah. uh, I guess the, the next web, which is this big tech festival is the nearest to a trade show, but not really. But other than large trade shows, we kind of do all the event models. And so uh, I guess conferences and our events are all B2B events. So there's an exception, which is called the FT Weekend Festival. But other than that, they are that all just B2B happened, no? Didn't that just yeah. happen? A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we, we just ran that in London and it's a fantastic day out. It's like a summer English summer festival where the best of the Fun. FT comes together and it's a consumer audience, but that actually is an outlier. Yeah. And you say um, 220 or so events a year? Yeah. And so in that I include the way we're structured is we have our big flagship conferences. So I don't know, mm -hmm. the banking summit or the, the future of the car or some of a really uh, prime events where multi-sponsored people can purchase a ticket and attend the event. And then we have a fast growing, what we call partner event business. And these are single sponsor activations around a bespoke audience and a bespoke topic. We can use, we can use that multi-event funnel. Oh, yeah, I want to kind of stay a little bit at the high level yet. And yeah. I, I've done some research and I, I know you've managed to double your events team since you joined. So congrats on that. Definitely sounds like you're, you're doing a lot. Where does the events team sits in the org? Are you part of marketing? Okay. Are you part of operations? Oh, really, good, really good question. Really good question. And so FT Live kind of sit, sits in its own unit, okay. uh, but is deeply connected to the center of the organization. And in fact, I guess my mission over the past four years was really to, I call it the long, long march towards the center to bring FT Live much closer to the center of the FT. Prime, firstly and foremost with our newsroom. And so we have 600 incredible journalists. A big shout out to our amazing journalists who believe in free and independent journalism and without fear or favor is our motto and we lean on that a lot and so we are very deeply connected with our newsroom although we have a content team within the uh, ft live divisions but essentially we don't run any events without involving one of our journalists at least one of our journalists and so they are deeply involved in the conferences and um, so the events team if I, just from our conversation, you're about 170 or so people. 150. 150. That's yeah. a very large events team. And so you're kind of trying to have some gravity towards the center. So all the different business lines will see FT Live as an enabler as opposed to just Correct. marketing. It's a, bit, it's a business unit in its own right. And so it's a, you know, call it a profit center or call it a business unit or call it a PNL. And so it's a business in its own right. How much um, business would you say that that FT Live business unit drives? Yeah, it's a very big, 
big driver without going into the detail of the numbers, but it drives around 30% of the profits of the group. So it's a very, very big profit driver. And those are the profits, obviously, we can measure in monetary terms, which are important. But then there is the halo effect, which is hard, mm-hmm. hard to measure about the FT brand, which is being essentially broadcast in every yeah. corner of the world. And one of the great things about digital events, which I love so much, is when I look at the delegate list of some of our events. So all our events, even the ones that are back in person, are streamed online. And so I guess all our events are hybrid. And this was a big thing. I'm curious, different people have different definitions on what hybrid is. And yeah. so you're saying all the events are streamed. Why don't we, let, let's kind of go step by step. I guess one of the ways I try to explain kind of our, our business model is that most of our clients, our direct clients, are you know, marketeers within large blue chip organizations who come to the FT because they want to achieve a goal and they see events as a, as a medium to, to achieve that goal. And they come to us and say, well, we've got this problem and we'd like you to help us with the solution. And I guess the, the way I like to explain how we can help them is through a variety of solutions. Uh, and the solutions they, they, we push them towards or we, we, we nudge them towards depends on what they are trying to achieve. And so... You know, we speak about everyone has seen a sales or a marketing funnel. And really, depending on what that client is trying to achieve, we have a product really that, that fits on, on, that, on that funnel. So, for example, yeah. if you're looking for a top of the funnel activation and you're looking for big numbers, well, we know that, you know, digital is probably one of the most efficient and cost efficient and, and fast and quick uh, methods of, for example, generating lots of leads. And so on our client-tailored event uh, business, uh, we get a lot of technology companies that essentially need lots of hot leads. And pr- prior to COVID, we could have organized an in-person conference. It probably would have taken us six to 12 months to organize. Uh, people tend not to like going in person to sales pitches or to yeah. you know, commercial events. And so it would be very expensive. They've had to fly people. And now, of course, the digital event in six weeks, we can provide our clients with an incredible audience, big numbers, you know, still on average or... Uh, webinar is attracting around three to four thousand registrations per webinar. So these are still pretty big numbers in a post-COVID yeah. environment, right? Um, and a lot of those, you know, convert into leads that then they the, those clients can nurture. You're bringing people into the conversation. You're doing it in a cheap way, in a quick way. You can do right. many of these, and you're basically responding to demand that comes internally of like mm-hmm. we want to kind of bring people into like this service or that product and you kind of quickly spin mostly digital events and that more that's kind of that top of funnel also by and large they tend not to just come for for lead generation the the reason they come to the ft is because they also want some brand association that they Mm -hmm. they couldn't get with like a you know anonymous event organizer so that's a really important important part but and i guess unique to us and then you might have somebody who really needs to focus on brand alignment or a big com strategy or some big realignment and so potentially for example one of our big flagship events which is a in-person event like the banking summit you know imagine you're a deutsche bank and you're breaking into i don't know wealth management in asia and you want to make a big big deal of this and probably joining a conversation in person at our banking summit, which is essentially every CEO of every bank under the sun joins that event. Our banking editor is there. Our chief editor is there. You know, those are, those are huge, big brand alignment uh, exercises. Uh, and again, the power of the brand allows us to do that. So if that's what you're trying to achieve, one of those events is prob- probably more uh, apt for you. So you're saying 
this funnel, just to clarify, is kind of both internally focused and externally focused. It might be an FT Live partner that wants to achieve something and they're partnering with, with FT Live, like the Banking Summit, to kind of, you know, bring awareness or kind of create partnerships. But it also could be internally in terms of like there is some other business line within FT that wants to do something and use the events team to drive that. Is that a fair? Uh, no, no. No, not so much. Okay. So we're, we are self-standing and obviously we collaborate very closely, for example, with our ads team. So, you know, some of the way our sponsorship revenue is generated is primarily okay. through our own team. But, you know, we collaborate quite closely with our in, in central advertising team. And sometimes there will be an ads and events kind of package put together. And then further down the funnel, we have products such as roundtables or private dinners. And roundtables are, you know, 10 people around a table in a Chatham House rules kind of environment with a very senior editor that are discussing a very important topic. And so, or I don't know, a three-star mission start dinner with six people around the table having a very high-level conversation. And so, I guess the 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 best clients are the ones who understand this journey and actually mm -hmm. buy multiple products from us. And so, who say, well, we're going to start from the top of the funnel with with you know big top of the funnel activation and and over the next 24 months we're going to engage with all the different types of events you have and as we bring people down the funnel we will we will pick an event format uh, from what you have to offer so i like it. it it basically you have a kind of rich toolbox and you're mm -hmm. able to use different tools for different situations and Correct. this way you can create some stickiness that some of your partners and clients or whatnot could be with you for an extended period of time because you can kind of help guide them through multiple different stages of the journey as opposed to just give them a single tool for a single cause. Correct. You have a co complex business structure, but you know, how do you keep your events focused on a complex event business? Which is a question that I ask myself every day, you know, are we doing too much or do we have too many event models? And, you know, the reality is we're growing quite strongly. And so I guess the, the proof of the pudding is in eating, but it's a highly processed and process driven environment, right? And so we all know that, you know, events are a highly high process kind of endeavor. And as the organizations become more complex, you need to be really careful that you've got your processes fine tuned and you're constantly fine tuning them. And the reality is I'm surrounded by 150 incredible professionals who essentially yeah. know exactly what they're doing. But I said, you know, there's always fine tuning to do all the time. But, you know, if you don't have the processes, the wheels fall off the wagon very quickly, right? So it's a quite you know, very tight organization. When I talked to you, you shared with me that there are these kind of four headline objectives that for FT Live's strategy, right? Yeah. Why don't you talk through, very briefly if you can, Orson, just one or yeah. two steps of each of these things. I guess you, we, we discussed this and you were quite curious, you know, what are your priorities essentially? Exactly. And my priorities are, you know, scale in events is a really important point you know i started my career in conferences then i moved into trade shows now i'm more or less back into conferences but you know trade shows are, are an amazing model big events big large events are an incredible model because they build barriers to entry and so i am constantly thinking how we can scale our events and you know i don't really like to have a long tail of small events and so that's a big thing for me and we can go into that in a bit more detail going pay delegate numbers it's just you know our, our revenue mix is quite sponsorship heavy and so there's you know, I think there's an opportunity to push in the delegate numbers. Uh, digital product opportunities around BOD and the technology around BOD and what is the opportunity? Is there an opportunity and what is it? And really using technology to operate more efficiently, a slightly more inward looking kind of topic. And this is about back to processes and how can we use technology to make our processes much quicker, faster and, and, and reliable, I guess. 
And so how regularly that does these four pillars change? Is this for this year? Is this oh, no, these, are, the, these have been the same for, I think, for the past three years now. So, so you know, our, uh, and this is on, on part of the, primarily the sponsors who attend our events. But of course, you know, we have a, a very large pool of delegates who, who attend. And they're not always coming from marketing. Uh, a lot of them coming from business development, but a lot of them are coming to learn and to listen to the content. And so depending on which stakeholder, but I think here in the context of sponsors and people who, who ask us to run events for them, then they are absolutely a marketing channel. Yeah. All right. And it, it also aligns with a lot of what we've been hearing, right? Like people have been struggling with kind of proving ROI. So I think mm -hmm. that's why scaling highly profitable events got a lot mm -hmm. of attention here. Tech is becoming and has been kind of really big part of events, definitely been accelerated through the pandemic. So there's some interest there. I'll bring down those votes, but I think we should definitely start with highly profitable events. Let's see how we go. And we'll, we'll try to save some time to hit the, the tech space as well. Right now we're on scaling highly profitable events. I'll say that for me, highly profitable events, the first thing that comes to mind is how do you even define profitable and measure it, right? Mm -hmm. Is it simply bottom line of the event? How many delegates, you know, how many ticket sales and sponsorship dollars did you manage to raise? Because there's obviously like a long tail of profit or like revenue that was contributed maybe indirectly through the event experience. And so how do you measure it in a way that obviously shows that you're profitable, but also people feel confident that these are real numbers and not just blown up number by saying we had, you know, thousands of dollars indirectly contributed just because so-and-so talked to so-and-so about that thing. And sure. six months later, we ended up having a deal, right? Like, how do you actually measure it, contribute it, define it? Okay. So you're going to have to calibrate my answer here. But if, if we think of FT Live as a profit-making division of the FT, well, I mean, I'm going to give you an economist's answers. You know, people always complain, oh, GDP is a really imperfect way of measuring growth of countries, but ultimately it's the one we've got, right? And so the simple answer is that we, we measure the profits of the events. So we've got revenues and we've got costs and, and we, we get profits. I mean, we have gross profits, which are the event profits, and then we've got net profits, which are the ones with, after the overheads. But, you know, back to the, to the crucial concept, you know, scale is, and back to economics, scale is a huge barrier to entry. Right? And this is why private equity firms have been so enamored with trade shows. Right. So once you buy trade shows, they're very difficult to attack on a sale. And that's similar, also applies to the conference industry um, to an extent. Uh, and so once you build something big, and, and also there's a positive network effect, right? Absolutely. In the same way, there's a negative network effect. I always tell my team, you know, once events start de declining or taking a dip, they can spiral out of control very quickly. And so I will, we're always very careful at spotting trends. But also there's a network effect on the way up. And as, it, as an event grows, it gets bigger, faster. And as you get bigger, faster, you get bigger, faster again, right? Mm -hmm. And so in terms of what we do at FT Live, we run lots of events, but we have a special program where we have currently five events that are on a super accelerated growth program. And so essentially in practice, these are events that we, I and my, my senior leadership team have established as, you know, future growth potentials. Can these be the number one events in their respective markets, right? So they might be the number two, but they've got potential to be the number one. And what do we need to do to make that happen? And so right. these come, these five events come out of our normal processes and they have an accelerate, an accelerator kind of program. And so extra investment, bigger team, uh, better refined processes, more investment in technology, more investment in data. We might go to a bigger, a better venue. So across the gamut of the event, uh, an event production cycle, essentially the, 
you know, I describe it as doubling down. We're doubling down on these five events and we're essentially, and as they grow, we double down again. And so uh, these five events over the past three years have, have grown at about 300% over the past three years. And so really, you know, the, 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 the growth is, is, is there. And where, where are you seeing this growth coming mm -hmm. from specifically? What's driving most of that profitability? Is it, is it sponsorship dollars? Is it uh, ticketing? Where is it coming from? It's both. Both is the answer. And, it, you know, of the five events, some are stronger on delegate revenue and some of them are stronger on, on sponsorship revenue. But essentially, the program is doing everything 10% uh, better. So, you know, can we do the content 10% better? Can we have a better on-site experience? Can we invest in data 10% more? Can we have a longer production cycle? Can we have a longer longer marketing cycle? And so these five events are come out of our normal processes, which are pretty efficient processes, by the way. And now I have a problem on my hands where everyone at FT Live wants their events to go into this accelerator program. <laughs> and, and obviously, but the great thing is that success breeds success, right? And so some yeah. of these accelerated uh, production processes start spilling into, I guess, the normal uh, production process and you bring up you bring up an interesting thing that i think will be you know interesting for people to to learn about uh, which are some of the challenges right so obviously like you've been able to do a lot of things incredibly well and been really successful but what are some of these challenges do you have a couple of events that i mean even if they're on the accelerated path just it's hard to make them profitable you you yeah. know maybe events that you had to stop doing because you yeah. you couldn't make them profitable. Tell us a little bit about that side of it as of course, well. Yeah, I mean, of the five, in all honesty, no, that program is going kind of gangbusters. And I'm so I'm so pleased. We review the portfolio every year. And so our financial year is, uh, ends in December. We're right in the thick of budgeting process now. I love killing events, by the way. So I don't know if, if there are any event professionals there that have portfolio of events. It's a very satisfying feeling because sometimes, you know, you get attached to an event or you, some of the team get attached to an event. And in your heart, you know that you know, an event's been declining or it's not great or you've been to it and you're like, you know, this is, it's okay, but is it great? And, you know, I only like doing great things, let's be honest. And so, and so sometimes killing an event can be difficult because there are internal barriers or, you know, somebody wants to keep running an event for a particular reason. And killing an event is one of the most satisfying experiences because you know deep down that you've, you've done the right thing and you refocus the energies on others. And so I would say on average every year we call about 10% of the portfolio and we launch 10% new products. And so, you know, we're an organization that's constantly launching new products and new topics because of the incredible brand we have and we are unbelievably lucky. We could run an event on every, essentially any topic you can think of, we could run on because the FT has this incredible overarching brand that, that is yeah. authoritative in, in lots of industries, right? So a lot of my day is spent actually in pushing back event ideas because everyone's got an event idea and I've got 600 amazing journalists and they would all want me to run an event on the topic of their choice. And so I'm in a very lucky situation. But no, we're constantly, we're very self-critical. We're constantly looking at you know, event margins, event ROIs, event NPS scores. And as soon as we see things turning for the worst, we try and change them. But ultimately, we need to be also quite honest with ourselves and say, well, listen, you know, it was a good try, but it didn't work. On to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, one of the things that stood out in your remarks is that fact that you, when you think about the experience and the content, all as kind of drivers of profitability. So it's not necessarily about how can we go cheaper on the food and increase our bottom line. It's more about how can we actually create a more interesting, rich experience and like better processes that will ultimately lead to better profitability, but not, you know, by cutting costs or, you know, scaling down. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, our, our event business is, is a highly content-led type of business. 
I come from my foray into events nearly mm -hmm. 50 years ago was, a, was as a content producer. So that's kind of my background. And I would say for most of the people on this call, content is really crucial. So even yeah. people running events from the marketing departments of the whatever blue chip organization you're in, the content is, is key, right? And we all know this. I don't need to tell you. Uh, but I would say a lot of the growth and the accelerated growth is really starts from the content. And so what is our content proposition? Is it excellent? Is it amazing? And so I'll give you an example, actually, our banking summit. Yeah, give us an example. And that's, yeah. I want to dive into the technology and, and digital yeah. uh, efficiency. A very easy example. Our, our banking summit, when I joined the FT four years ago, used to get one CEO. If you Google banking summit FT now, you will see essentially every CEO of every major bank and investment bank in the world speaks at this event. And so it's been an incredible transformation. Yeah. By the way, that hasn't been easy. And so it doesn't just happen overnight. Oh, none of this is easy, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure that most of the accelerated growth on that event, which is one of the five, by the way, I can let you in on a secret, has come from the incredible transformation of the content program and the speaker lineup. There's absolutely no, no doubt about that. Notwithstanding yeah. incredible improvements in marketing data, digital marketing, paid social, and yeah. all the other things we've got. I mean, I think the group definitely, you know, it's a mutual kind of win-win in a sense that like the, uh, this incredible event business that, that you created really drives a lot of the, the kind of benefit for the group, but also benefits from a lot of that, right? I think it's, you know, important to call out that, you know, you've got access to hundreds of journalists, right? That you're able to, and, and you know, tens of thousands of subscribers, right? That you can attract to some of these events. So in yeah. some ways, not needing to pay speakers, having access to large databases of subscribers. Like these are incredible tools. But back to measuring success. I mean, obviously profit is very important, but you know, there's, there's the stuff that we deliver to the group that isn't just profits. And so a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but a considerable amount, a substantial amount of event attendees that were not FT subscribers have then turned into subscribers. Absolutely, I bet. And so yeah. that's unbelievably powerful. And also we have an amazing, data analytics team at the FT, they've been able to prove that subscribers that do attend an FT live event have a higher propensity to renew their subscription. And yeah, so, you know, I would say in, in, a, in a kind of outside the subscription world, I think a lot of uh, events are impacting churn rate and things like that, increasing satisfaction and loyalty. It just brings people closer to, to your purpose and your company yeah. and your brand by showing them and talking to them and having conversations about the work that you do. So let's spend a little bit of time on the kind of using tech and digital to operate more efficiently. Yeah. This ties into the fact that you, you run such a large events team there. Mm. You've got so many events. It's such a complex environment. So there is no way that you would be able to be an FT live, be so successful without some of this kind of tech efficiency. Mm. So mm. you got a lot of votes. Let's spend a couple minutes on it. I want to try to get people at quarter two so they can kind of prepare sure. for the next meeting or, you know, some people it's the end of the day. So we can spend a couple of minutes on it. To set the scene, I know that the FD Live team is very skilled when it comes to tech. I know that you are heavy users of the Visible API and you're integrating a lot of the tech stack into other parts of the business, be that logistics or marketing or operations. So tell us a little bit about that. Obviously the pandemic was an enormous tragedy and we all wish it hadn't happened. However, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, it wouldn't have propelled us at the speed it has into a, a digital first organization. Right? And so I described FTLive pre-pandemic as a relatively analog organization. Um, 
not just in its product, but in its way of thinking and in its way of creating products and in and its kind of management and it's the way that its teams were organized in, in their processes. The pandemic, you know, essentially uh, forced us to yeah. accelerate our digital transition, not just in our product, but also in what we do on a day-to-day basis. And so now we're a digital first organization, not only in our product, but also in how we organize ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And essentially, you know, technology plays an incredible amount of uh, value in what we do at FT Live. By the way, a really interesting stat. We we have six ju- 600 journalists at the FT. Yeah. And we have 600 people in the product and tech team at wow. the Financial Times, which is pretty incredible. Every right? journalist has their own uh, tech person. Wow. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I mean, that ratio is incredible, right? It really kind of drives home the point of how a product-led organization the FT is uh, and how we put product and technology in, in every decision we do. And so we're unbelievably lucky, to be honest. Um, is there a, a specific kind of tech? Because, I mean, you guys have like enormous scale and, and reach, obviously. But if there is a, a kind of takeaway that or a lesson learned on the on the digital integration or using digital for efficiency, something that, you know, a lot of the event organizers that are with us could implement, even if they don't have like 600 people on their mm. product team or whatnot. Is there anything that comes to mind that you can think of? Gosh, hard to put me on the spot of that because our, our, you know, our transition was um, unbelievably rapid, exhilarating for a lot of us, including me. I found it very exhilarating, but also quite tra- traumatic for a, lo- a lot of our team. And so yeah. I guess my biggest tip is if anyone in your team hasn't heard of Agile with a capital A, to send everyone on an Agile training course. And so I remember asking the question, actually, when the pandemic hit, who's heard of Agile? And I think I stuck my hand up and, and maybe one other person out of 90 people. And so I realized that there was a real lack of understanding of what a product-led organization is. And so no matter pandemic or not pandemic, even if you're doing physical events in hotels, restaurants, you need your team to think in a product-led or product-centric way. Agile is the language that more or less we all use across the digital world. And so my biggest tip is, you know, if somebody in your team hasn't heard of Agile or you haven't heard of Agile with a capital A, uh, Google the Agile manifesto, get your head around it because... Yeah. Really good. Agile as opposed to waterfall methodology, and so Agile with a capital A. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a, a product development methodology. Yeah, essentially a way to have quick iterations of work as opposed to get a lot of work done and present something that's near perfect. And so it's interesting that Eli, for using Agile as your methodology. And yeah, I think it, it, what it enables you probably is to kind of quickly drive decisions and iteration of, you know, your events and achieve that efficiency. All our, uh, I guess, flagship events are are all hybrid. So they are all also in physical, in person and transmitted digitally. There are some private events that we run that we don't transmit digitally. So these are private activations for some of our sponsors, but the vast majority. So obviously our digital events are digital, 100% digital, and we still run quite a lot of those, you know, probably about 80 or 90 of the 250 are digital only events. All our flagship in-person conferences are all transmitted digitally. And so in that sense, I guess we're digital first, but I guess also in terms of the way we think and the way we, we operate. Yeah. As well. Yeah. I mean, even just the, the fact that using agile it indicates that in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm so tempted to like unpack the hybrid conversation in terms of how do you bring the digital journey alongside in-person, make sure it doesn't cannibalize one another, but Maybe just kind of as we starting to, to wrap up and obviously people can follow you on LinkedIn and get a lot of your work and, and follow what you're doing at FD Live to get additional insight. But maybe as we as we starting to wrap up, I'll be curious to, to learn from you 
what would you say are maybe one or two of your signature moves? And then maybe you can also share a challenge that you're experimenting a new move to try to solve and tell mm. us how that works. Mm. Interesting question. So, I mean, I'll start from the big one. And, you, you, you know, I, I always say to my team, think big, especially when they want to launch an event. Oh, I've got mm-hmm. a great idea and it's, you know, I think it's going to work. I'm, I'm, and I'm always pushing and pushing them to, you know, because they'll come to me and say, oh, we think we can get, I don't know, 500 people at this event. And I look at them and say, like, is that all? You know, if it's such a hot topic, why, why aren't you getting 5,000 or 50,000 people? Right. So that kind of makes them think big, really important. Think big, think big, think big. So that's kind of a broad one. The other one is, I guess, a bit old fashioned, but really on, be on top of your numbers. And so... You know, I spend my day on big, big strategy, but I also spend my day on looking at numbers in quite a lot of detail. And so, you know, revenues minus costs or profits and margins are, are what I look at and I'm constantly looking at. And with a portfolio of 250 events, small incremental adjustments to costs and revenues can make actually a big difference. So this is one of the things that I say to my team in terms of constantly being careful about cost control, cost control. Yeah. Um, small incremental costs multiplied by 200 become lots of costs. And so, I'm, yeah, absolutely. And it's a challenge, right? When you, th- when you try to get people to think big, mm-hmm. but you also expect them and expect yeah. yourself to be in the details, right? And so the, the other one is I had a meeting just, just before now is I love spending money on marketing. And so I say to my marketing team, every now and then I, I look at an event budget and I see that the marketing piece hasn't all been spent. And I always say there is a small place or a large place in hell for marketeers who don't spend all their budget, right? And so I'm a big believer in, in marketing spend. And I say to my marketing team, unfortunately, pick the wrong profession because the answer is marketing is always do more. You know, if your yeah. event is behind, you need to do more and spend more. If your event's doing well, you need to double down and do more so we can make more money. Always so I always say, I'm really sorry, marketing team, but you've got to work harder. Whatever, wh- however your event is doing, you've got to work harder. But there's a small place in hell for marketeers who don't use their budget. Because we're, we're all marketeers, right? You know, people in this room, you know, marketing is our life, right? And so, and so that's just a funny anecdote. But every now and then, like, I have to rehash it. And, and, and I, don't I feel like there's a lot more that. than we can talk about, Orson. Like, this has been really fascinating. Drop me a line on LinkedIn if anyone needs some help yeah. with anything or advice. And, you know, I think the good news is for everybody else as well. This conversation is going to continue. I mean, this particular one with with Orson was our part two, but part three will continue uh, discussing the state of B2B event. So make sure you join us for that and make sure you follow Orson if you want to tap into more of his uh, insights and have conversations about what he's doing and follow his work. Um, And with that, thank you so much, Orson. Uh, This has been Thank you uh, so much. Thanks, conversation. Um, definitely. Thanks to all my friends at Visible. Thank you for all that. Yeah, absolutely. And for everybody who joined us, thank you for making the time, for joining today. And I will see you in a few weeks uh, for our last part uh, of the series. And until then, keep up uh, the good work and I will see you soon. Cheers. Thanks again to Orson Francescone and to Oren Berkovich for hosting the discussion. This has been a special episode of Event Experience, and thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear it. Connect with us on social and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget to share the show with your colleagues and friends. You can find transcripts of each episode and key takeaways on bizabo.com forward slash podcast. You can also watch the webinar on demand and download the report at bizabo.com or from the links in the show notes. On behalf of the team, 
thank you. We'll gather again soon for a new episode of Event Experience.